better. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah, and he said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you about which you uttered a curse and also spoke it in my ears, uh, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. His mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord for my hand, for my son, to make a carved image and a metal image. Doesn't that sound weird, just reading that? Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of the silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine. He made an ephod and household gods and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. And here is the key verse for today. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, there was a young man of Bethlehem and Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there, and the man departed from the town of Bethlehem and Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? And he said to him, I'm a Levite of Bethlehem and Judah, and I'm going to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said to him, well, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. And the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. Father, help us to see that our hearts are only wicked continually. Lord, we cannot depend on those things that we think are right in our own eyes. That Lord Jesus, we need to depend on you and the power of your Holy Spirit through your written and spoken word, through your revealed self to us. Lord Jesus, may we hold fast to that in a day and age which people are making up their own minds about what's right and wrong. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. There's a story about a terrible traffic accident. Police officers were called into the scene, and when they arrived, they found a husband, a wife, and two children. They were laying unconscious in the car. They pulled them from the car, and as they were waiting for the paramedics to show up, they, uh, they noticed a monkey in the car. Seeing the monkey was the only witness to the accident who was still conscious, the officers decided to question him about the accident. Well, turning to the monkey, they asked, he said, what was the dad doing at the time of the accident? And the monkey motioned, indicating the dad had been drinking. <laughs> the officers next, next asked what the mother had been doing at the time of the accident. The monkey took a finger and he shook it angrily at the unconscious man. The officers then asked what the children had been doing. And this time the monkey indicated by hand gestures that children had been fighting. The officer said, well, no wonder there was an accident with all that going on. And as they turned to leave, almost as an afterthought, they, they asked, uh, by the way, 
what were you doing at the time of the accident? To which the monkey signed that he'd been the one driving. I'm sure the monkey thought that was the right thing to do. And that's the whole situation. You know, this, this, this sermon is, ask the question, what do you use to determine right from wrong? How does, how does your faith in Jesus Christ affect what you, well, how you decide what is right and what is wrong? This, this, this sermon's entitled, Good Heart or God's Heart. But please understand, I'm not implying in any way that anyone in this story had a good heart, good motives, or acted in a good way. But here's what God's Word says. It says they were, they were doing what they thought was right. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. They didn't think they were doing evil. They didn't think they were doing wrong. They believed that what they were doing was the right thing to do. Here's the point. Today, there are probably a lot of people who feel that they're acting from good motives, at least by the world's standards. But that is the main point. Whether a person feels like they're doing good, whether they're acting according to the standards of the world or acceptable or society, any standard outside of the Lord God is sin. And the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, emotional death, death in relationships, death in families, death to a community, death to a nation, and ultimately eternal death. Proverbs 14.12 says it like this. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. There's a way that seems right. This is exactly what was happening in Israel. Spiritual death follows spiritual apostasy, that falling away from the Lord's standards, from the Lord's prophets, from the Lord's patriarchs, from the Lord's word. And God's word says in Proverbs 14, 34, that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. You see, in today's culture, it's common to find people that are, that are doing things that they think is the right way to go. First, people are, are, are looking to others. Micah had sin. He stole his mother's silver, and she whispered a curse in his ears. And when she whispered that curse, all of a sudden he got a pang of conscience. She didn't get a curse from your parent. If you're guilty and, and, and don't set things right, could mean you get disinherited, could mean a lot of different things. And when he returns it, she, she suddenly feels very forgiving. And then she takes, and by the way, this was a lot of money. I, if I did the calculations right, this is about a thousand years worth of salary for the average person. This was a lot of money. So a very rich, very rich family. You can, you can just almost feel the, the self-contentment in this family. She takes 200 years worth of silver and, 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 makes, and has idols made out of it. And, and he listens, Micah, this man Micah, listens, listens to his mom. It's his mom. Of course, the whole culture was okay with what he was doing. The nation had compromised, evil was compromised even before they came into the promised land. But when they came into the promised land, one 
tribe after the other after the other compromised their values with the culture around them and adopted the gods, the things that were idolized, the things that were worshipped in each of their tribal areas. And so we see this perversion boiled down to a family. How many of us listen to people before we listen to the Lord? How many of us are guilty in some way of the same thing that Micah is guilty of? Of, of listening to people that we may value or trust, but we don't listen to the Lord God. We're so out of touch with the Lord, he can't speak to our hearts. Our, our sin is in the way. It's, it, it prevents us from hearing. You know, global positioning system is, is everywhere, right? I mean, I got a navigator in my car. I got a navigator on my phone. And, and, and boy, I think it's got me out of trouble a few times. But you know how the global positioning system works? You, get, you need to have three satellites that you connect to so it triangulates where you are, okay? Triangulates where you are on earth. But there's a key to all this. In order for the global positioning system to work, to put you accurately where you, to tell you accurately where you are, you need to have an unobstructed view of the satellite. The Lord wants you to know that he loves you. The Lord wants you to know he forgives you. The Lord wants to know he has grace for you. The Lord wants to know that he died for you. The Lord wants you to know that you're a child of God. But if you have an obstructed view of the Lord God, you will not know where you are and who you are and where you're going. You've got to have an unobstructed view. We need to spend more time listening to the Lord than our favorite preacher or our favorite evangelist on television. We need to spend more time reading God's Word than we do the books that we buy online or in Christian bookstores. We need to spend more time valuing the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ than we do anything else. We need to listen, to listen, to look to Jesus as our guide. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It guides our steps. Secondly, we know folks today, just like Micah, inventing their own religion. Inventing their own religion. You know, the world says today, trust your heart. Trust your heart. Just trust your heart. I mean, really. And, and, and you see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist, but I pastored a free Methodist church for 15 years. So I've, I've, I crossed over from a little bit of Calvinism into some Arminianism, you know. And, and so, I mean, I was anathema for so many years to my Baptist buddies because I, 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 I committed apostasy in their eyes, you know. And, and, uh, but we have people today that just invent their own religion. Well, you, you believe what you want to believe. It's, it's okay. You don't have to believe what I believe. You know, you just believe what you want to believe, and I believe what I want to believe, and it's okay. Do you know that, that, that there are people in this world that cannot tell the difference between a Mormon and a Christian? They cannot tell the difference between the actions of, of a Muslim and the actions of a Christian? 
There are people that get Judaism and Christianity confused in this country. Do you understand that it's a hodgepodge mess out there? But let me tell you something. We have better find common ground, and we better know where that common ground is. Let me tell you where it's at. It's at the foot of the cross. We celebrated the Lord's Supper today. The body that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for you is the same body that was broken for me and shed, the blood was shed for me. We have that in common. You want to know a great common ground? There's a beautiful song about it. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a great singer, but there's a song about the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Virgin Mary, born of the Holy Spirit. You know that's you know this confession? Some of you wrote a Catholic church, a Methodist church, you know what I'm talking about. We have common ground. And where we have common ground, we need to understand that that defines not just our religion. By the way, there's nothing wrong with religion. I understand, I understand that the heartbeat of Christianity is relationship. I got that. You got that? Okay. But you know what? We need to be, you know what religion equates to? Being faithful. The good heart of religion is being faithful. You get up in the morning, you have your devotion. You get up in the morning and you, you pray to the Lord and ask him to use you for the day. You are faithful. You are religious. You are habitual. You are disciplined in that way that, that you have those spiritual disciplines in your life. You want to, want to, want to know why uh, Islam is rampantly growing all across the country? It's because they practice what they preach. And when we claim the name of Jesus Christ and we live like hell in the world, ain't nobody going to listen to us. If we, don't, if we don't understand that, we're losing. It's okay to be practicing religious in your relationship. Try not being religious in your relationship to your spouse. Guy, guy was driving down the road one day and his wife was on the other side of the car. And, and she says, you know, you don't put your arm around me like you used to. He said, I haven't moved. You moved. She says, so she moved over. She put her arm around him and says, you know, you never tell me that you love me anymore. We've been married for 45 years. He says, 45 years ago I told you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Try not being religious with your spouse. Try not telling her that you love her, that you love him, okay? You know, try, try that. See how that works for you, okay? It won't, trust me, it won't work out so well, okay? Uh, you'd be, at least be spending a few nights in the doghouse. People invent their, their, their own religion. He, he got his own, Michael got his own religious garb. He, he set up a shrine this religious garb was, part of it was the, the ephod was to help him uh, tell the future. The stones that held the top of the ephod together were seer stones, and, and he, he would use those to, to discern what God wanted. Hogwash. He nabbed his own priest right off the street, apparently rich enough to hire his own personal preacher. And then it said he was like a son to him. Who's calling the shots here? Micah's telling the preacher what he likes. 
And, of course, getting paid well, the preacher is getting ten times the average salary. That preacher is going to preach exactly what Michael wants to hear. Right? He's going to tell him exactly what he wants to hear. We call this having the church. He was a member of the church of the living room. Did you get it? The church of the living room. I hear people say today, we don't need organized religion. Oh, okay, so let's have disorganized religion. We got some of that too. Disorganized religion. We don't want an educated pastor. We only want more stupid pastors in the pulpit. I mean, really. So we want stupid pastors in a disorganized church. What a lame excuse. What a lame excuse. Thirdly, we see people separating from the community of faith. I read a quote. It was pretty, it's pretty powerful. Are you ready for it? Here it goes. There is something wrong. There is something very wrong when people are leaving the church to find God. There's something very wrong when people are leaving the church to find God. And he set up a church in his own house. The idea of a Lone Ranger Christian. I don't know how many people I have talked to in the world that just, I don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. Yes, you do. I'm sorry. Yes, you do. Because if I read Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians correctly, we're all part of the same body. If I cut my little finger off and lay it over there, there's two things. Number one, it may just be my little finger, but it's going to hurt all over. When one part of the body is disconnected from the rest of the body, it hurts everybody. Does that make that little finger any, any less my finger? No, that's still my finger. But, there, but there's something very noticeable about that. I can wiggle my nub all I, all I, all I want to, but that finger's not going to move. That finger is not doing its job. That finger is ineffective. Yes, if you're going to be a good, solid, Christ-honoring, Bible-believing Christian, you need to be connected to the body of Jesus Christ. He's the head. We're the body. We're all members of that same body. I love the fact that we have a partnership with this church. I love the fact that even though we're so different, and Josh and I are going to have a great time at talking at lunch today. <laughs> I can see it coming. Even though we're so different, we're the same body. We're the same body. We're part of the big C church. We may have little C churches called Crescent Park and Kingdom Church 
and First Presbyterian and First Baptist Odessa. We may have all kinds of little C churches all over, but we're all part of the big C church. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, committed your life to him, believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty, and that you're going to live with him forever. You've confessed your sins. You've given your heart to him. You've committed your life to him. We're part of the same church. We're part of the same church. He had church in his living room. People going off being Lone Ranger Christians, God's word has nothing to say about that. God has a people, a covenant, promise-keeping, engaged people. There's There's no idea of separating away from the community of faith. Lastly, there's the living under false expectations. <laughs> you see what his mom does? You see what his mom did? And, and, and Micah follows, follow, follows through with this. His mom says, okay, now I'm going to give part of this. Uh, Dedicate it to the Lord. Lord, just use this silver in any way. And we're going to make a couple of idols. That just, had this been tried before? You remember the Exodus? Remember the Exodus? Moses comes down from the, from the mountain having spent time with God. He's got two tablets written by the finger of God, one in each hand. You propose it, probably, you know, one in each hand. And he looks down, he's coming down the mountain, and he sees, his, sees the people of Israel. There's a golden calf that was a symbol of, of, of pagan worship in Egypt where they had just been freed from for after 400 years of slavery. And, and, and he's watching them, and the, the word, the old people word, i got old people words because I'm an old people now, uh, uh, cavorting. If you don't know what cavorting means, just look it up. It's probably what you think it is. They're cavorting around that, 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 that golden calf. And Moses challenged, cha- challenges uh, his brother Aaron about it, and, and he says, what is this? He said, well, you know, uh, um, we just, just threw in some gold and it popped out. It just, 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 it just happened. And we, we're dedicating it to the Lord. The first rule was, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven image. Hello. And may I get to see Moses going, uh, one broken, two broken, three broken. Four. Oh, to heck with it! Just throw them down and break the whole things. Broken. They were all broken. They broke them all. And and and, and here here here, mom, mom mom says we dedicate this story. And then then we get Micah, right, right. And and Micah says, now that I've got a Levite, I got my own preacher. Surely. God's blessings will flow. Well, if you want to hear that message, just turn on the television and listen to the Christian station. If you just follow my ministry and, 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 and you give, I know some of you can only give $100 a month, you know, you'll be hallelujah givers. <laughs> and some of you can give $1,000 a month Oh, you're going to be angel givers. 
And those who give a one-time gift of $150,000, they will be the seraphim givers. They will be the, the guardians of the gates of God. There's an 800 number at the bottom of your screen, and you can be a call right there, right now. People are waiting to take your call. And surely we put a quarter of ourselves into the Lord and expect $10 out or $100 out. We expect that what we do is we put a little bit of ourselves in and get a whole lot out. You know what the secret of a happy marriage is? Give 100% expect nothing. If your main goal in being married is to make the other person happy and not yourself happy, when they're happy, you're supposed to be happy. Isn't that the way it works all the time in your marriage? <laughs> if it is, you've been married less than a week. No, I want to be happy. I want her to make me happy. She wants me to make her happy. No, that's not how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to want to make her happy. She's supposed to make me happy. You know what I'm saying? Because she wants to, not because they have to. This is a relationship with the Lord. Give of your best to the master. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it unto the Lord and cheerfully. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, not somebody that's compelled to give. The Lord wants you to love him and to engage with him out of a desire to serve him. Sometimes we forget that we are the children. He's the father. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. We're the servants. He's the master. What we want to do is make him our servant. Now, Lord, I got a prayer request. Um, let, me, let me make sure I got this right. All right, here's what I'd like for you to do today, okay? I got a cousin needs a little help. Uh, you know, I got, I got a sick grandma, uh, you know, and, and the roof is leaking <laughs> still. And, uh, you know, uh, just would you mind just taking care of those things for me? Because after all, God, you work for me. Your prayer life ever go like that? How about this? Lord, show me today the way you want me to go. What are my marching orders for the day? Lord Jesus, how can I please you today? What can I give to you today? How can I witness for you today? How can I be your servant today? How can I give to you today? How can I follow you as a sheep follows a shepherd today? Lord, how can I be obedient to you today as a child is to be obedient to the parent? Different kind of prayer life, huh? We need to turn it around, folks. We need to turn it around. Micah and his mother were living in false expectations. If you continue on to the rest of the book of Judges, you find out it didn't work out so well for old Micah or for the nation. Surely God will bless me because I've been so generous to the preacher. Well, if you're generous to this preacher, the preacher will bless you, but I'm not sure about what God will bless you. That's, that's up to him. We need to not live in a sense of false expectations. Depending on, this is the conclusion, 
depending on anyone or anything except the Lord. And the unshakable truth of his word is a perilous path that leads to eternal separation from God. The road to hell is not paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with selfish intentions. On whom are you depending for truth, determining right and wrong in your life? Are, are you depending on yourself? Yeah, I got one more story real quick. I taught for many, many years for Wayland Baptist University, mainly taught on military bases. And I, one of my favorite stories is I've, I'm teaching a very large class. It was required for these, these soldiers and airmen to, uh, to uh, if they want to graduate quickly uh, from, a, from an accredited school, to take, go to Wayland, but they had to take Old and New Testament. So I got to teach from Genesis to Revelation to classfuls of people that did not know Christ. It was a lot of fun for a long, long time. So I'm teaching, I'm, t I'm, t I'm teaching the New Testament, and um, there's a guy at the back of the room, and you can tell he doesn't want to be there because he's not taking notes, and his arms are crossed. His arms are crossed like this, and he just does not want to take notes. He's scowling. Because I'm talking about Jesus. And so after it was over, we walked out together, and uh, we went out to the parking lot, and he says, I'm an atheist. I said, really? Wow, I've been around a long time. I, I've never met an atheist before. He looked at me and said, you've never met an atheist before? I said, no. In all my life, i never met an atheist. I, I really have a hard time believing you are one. He says, he says, well, I am. I said, well, let me ask you a question. In whom or in what do you put your trust? Do you put your faith? Do you, do you, do you depend on? What do you do for truth? To, to, to value the things that are right and things that are wrong. Who do you depend on? He thought for a second. He said, his eyes brightened up and he smiled. He says, myself. I said, what's your first name? It says Ted in the records. I said, what's your first Is that your name? He says, no, my name is Theodore. I said, see, you're not an atheist. He said, what? I said, you're not an atheist. You're a Theodorian. He trusted in himself. He was doing what was right in his own eyes and on a fast track straight to hell. The heart of man is only wicked continually. If you had a good thought today, if you had a godly thought today, you know where it came from? It came from Jesus. It's not in our nature. But that's what Jesus Christ is for, to change our nature. Not to just have a good heart, to do what we feel like is right and good in our own eyes, but to have God's heart. And that's the, that's, that's the call today. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're doing things that are right in your own eyes, and you don't have a, a stable platform on which to base your life, let me ask you and invite you to come to Jesus Christ. Let me invite you by the truth of his word, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that his word will guide you into all truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Let me invite you to Jesus today.
for you to make a recommitment of your life. You have not been in God's word. You were looking up Hezekiah a minute ago. <laughs> and the word of God's not guiding your life. Other things are guiding your life. Let me call you to a place of recommitment. Let me call you to that place where Jesus Christ regains the throne of your heart. And one other call today is if, if you're visiting here and you've come a few times, I want to tell you something. I don't know everybody in this church. This is the first time I've ever been to this church. But I, I've met the leadership and I've met the youth. Beautiful, amazing youth. <laughs> Whew, hallelujah. And the youth leaders and the pastor. And I can tell you that this heart, this heart, this, this church has a heart that will love you. This church will has a heart that will love you and stand by you and give you grace and mercy and forgiveness and just like Jesus does, will forgive your past and help you to a brighter future. This is a wonderful community of faith. I've been honored to be here today. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for being the one who shows us what is right and what is wrong through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the presence of your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And, Lord, move upon hearts right now as we come to this time of altar call. We just ask, Lord Jesus, if there's someone here today that needs to make a decision for you to be made, that they would come down front and make it public, that we can pray for them and come up and make it public.